Hello and welcome listeners to another episode of Cathode Raycast. The Story Screen presents podcast where we talk about all things television. I feel like it's been a million years since I've talked to you guys, but I'm sure that's not true. I feel like it's maybe just been a couple months, but it feels like I've been off the mic for a while and it's good to be back. I'm your host, Bernadette Gorman-White, and we are going to be talking about something kind of ridiculous, because while I feel like I've been away from the mic for a long time, this show has also been over for a few months now. However, we haven't had a chance to talk about it yet, and it's kind of one of those ridiculous things that still comes up, and we feel like we... uh, We couldn't just put it away forever. We had to talk about it. So obviously, if you've clicked on the link, you know we're here to talk about In Just Like That, season two, the ridiculous sequel to the HBO hit Sex and the City. And of course, I'm joined today by Rhea Banerjee. Hello, Rhea. Hi. (laughs) I'm glad we're we're getting around. Delayed as it is, I'm glad we're getting around to talking to it, talking about it, because... I think uh, while it was airing, I was kind of texting you periodically being like, okay, I think they're trying to change things and make this better. And then I was, and then I was like, oh, oh no. Um, Right. (laughs) They were trying to course correct. And then it just took a weird, weird turn. So uh, we can, we can get into that a bit. (laughs) Definitely. It's weird because while we were not talking about this show, a lot of other outlets also wasn't talking about the show because the actor strike happened. That's right. And so I listened to Stay of Homekins, the podcast by Paul F. Tompkins and Janie Haddad Tompkins. And they were doing a recap series of watching and just like that. And they did it episode by episode. Mm hmm. And they only got to, I think, episode five, and then the strike happened, Uh, so then they couldn't talk about it. Interesting. And so now it's nice that the strike is over. They've started releasing the episodes that they just had bankrolled, because they definitely recorded them. They just weren't allowed to release them. And so now I just listened to them talk about the episode with the bomb cyclone, which we'll get to. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. But it's funny that we're just now talking about it, too, because it's not like we were striking. It's right. like, <laughs> we couldn't have talked about we it. We just but. we were just busy. Uh, yes. <laughs> so things were happening. Yes. <laughs> um, but yes, listeners, we're going to get into this episode, as is the case with every Cathode Raycast. We're going to talk about spoilers from the get go. We're not going to hold back. There is no spoiler-free portion of this podcast. And we understand that this season was 11 episodes long. We're not going to be able to get to every single thing because we would probably be here for three, four hours if we wanted to talk (laughs) about everything. So we're going to try to keep it as contained as we possibly can. Talk about our key favorite moments, ridiculous what-the-fuck moments, um, (laughs) talk about what is going on in that writer's room you know we're gonna get into basically the highs and lows of this season we're gonna try to keep it contained but we'll see how it goes (laughs) (laughs) so yes i remember you at the very beginning of the season after episode one it did feel like episode one where they're going to not 
the Met Gala. They refuse to call it the Met Gala. They call it the Met Ball. The Met Ball, yeah, which makes me think maybe there was some sort of copyright thing that they were trying to avoid. I don't know. It was it was very, very annoying. Weird. Uh- <laughs> Weird. But yeah, it seemed like from that very first episode that they were trying to reclaim something that right. they had maybe lost in season one. Right. It felt very much like they were course correcting. Like I remember texting you specifically. It, I was like, okay, they have like uh, Michael Patrick King and the writers' room, whatever. They've they read the criticism of season one, and it felt like they were trying to course correct. And I was like, oh, cool. Okay, maybe this season will be better. Um, and in, in a lot of ways, I think it was a much stronger season than season one. Um, but there was still some weird shit. Uh, <laughs> just some weirdness uh, that, you know, kind of carried over from the first season. Um, there were a lot of, um, you know, storylines that were started and then dropped and then never acknowledged again. Um, I, you know, there's, there's, yeah, it's, and, and just some, just some things that are, I was just kind of like, huh? Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know if you want to, if, if there's anything that you wanted to, to start with in particular, or did you want me to, I mean, I can, I can tell you right off the bat what I was at first, like, excited to see when I was like, oh, Ooh. they're course correcting. Um, cool. Yeah, I would just say very quickly that the two things in episode one, they actually kind of got back to some sex in that opening montage. That's what I was going to say to you. Which was crazy, and we can elaborate on that. Yeah. And then I did, even though it was very fan servicey, I did love the reveal. Although it was ridiculous that she wouldn't have tried on her Met Ball dress until day of to find out it didn't fit. Right. But I did love the grand reveal of the wedding dress coming back out. Right. And it did feel like the writers were saying, okay, we're going to get back to the things that you guys really like because we kind of lost the plot in season one. Right. And it felt really good. But yes, you can talk about the yeah. things that you really liked at the beginning. So right off the bat, I was like, oh, okay. Like the opening montage, literally all of the main couples on the show are having sex. And that was not a thing that really was going on in season one. And a lot of people were like, this is a, sequel to sex in the city and like they're being you know so that was kind of cool um you know i was like okay they're trying to they're trying to bring it back to its roots i suppose um so i i i liked that um or i I liked that they seemed to be going in that direction um i do like i read an article new york magazine vulture maybe where some like the 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 crux of the article, the, the person writing it was saying that it helps it helps him to watch and just like that by considering it a sequel to the two awful movies as mm-hmm. opposed to the um the show itself. Like it's it lives in this sort of strange continuity of um you know, like it's it's calling back to the original series, but it has to acknowledge things that happen in the movies because right. the movies happened, whether we like it or not. 
Um, <laughs> Yay, first movie, boo, second movie. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and so, like, that's why he's like, he was like, that's why, like, he he was like, I think that's why the tone of the show is a little odd because they're trying to do kind of two things at once. But he's like, once you accept that and sort of embrace the show with that in mind, you know, it it makes a little more sense. Um, so again, like that brings back like what you were saying, the wedding dress, the the wedding, the wedding dress from the aborted wedding in season one, bringing that back. I thought that was a nice touch as well, because it sort of, you know, again, brings everything within the larger continuity of the show. Um, I, yeah, I, um, I also, I liked that they were making attempts to, show that you know that because in season one all of the main characters got like a token new friend of color um (laughs) and i liked that they were trying to integrate those characters more into the lives of our you know three main protagonists at this point showing you know that they're all hanging out together sometimes they all go out to lunch or brunch together and different you know different permutations of you know the 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 friendships on the show um lisa cloud wexley is the one who gets them tickets to the not met gala um you know which is just that's kind of cool that she's you know now she's like she's like in the circle and she's pulling those strings and and getting getting everybody in including anthony um which was just like okay shoulder Um, shrug for me yeah for sure yeah um and so i i liked that i liked that in episode one they focused on an aspect of the Miranda and Che relationship that actually was like, I was like, oh, this is a real relationship. This isn't just like this weird infatuation that caused Miranda to have an identity crisis and blow up her life. Like there was that like uh, moments of real like vulnerability and intimate, you know, like Che became less like a caricature of like a, you know, which was, I think the biggest criticism of, their character in season oh, yeah, one just a stoner just a, comedian a stoner comedian uh you know uh, who doesn't mind that she's kind of helping miranda break up her yeah marriage, exactly but also does care a little bit yeah and yeah doesn't you know like was fine uh, when she, when when they were assuming that it was an open marriage and then when learning that wasn't the case was was like no fuck this i'm not a homewrecker um, but it was just, yeah, Che was very much like, a, a you know, like a, a, a stereotype and also just kind of like, hey, we're going to talk about trans issues and being non-binary. And, I, and it all felt so shoehorned in in season mm-hmm. one. And in season two, you know, they they have that moment in, you know, where where Che is in L.A. preparing to tape this pilot episode. And they're talking about, like, costuming, and Che's like, yeah, I would never wear a blazer with, like, shiny blue collar. Like, that's not who I am. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Why can't I just, like, wear what I would wear in life? And then they're making comments about their weight. And they're, Mm -hmm. you know, oh, if you wear that, that'll show your belly, so we got to figure that out. And so then Che has, like, you know, Miranda panics and thinks, oh, Che doesn't want me me hugging them in public because they're you know like they embarrassed don't embarrass by me, by me or, or whatever and and Che right. was like no I like 
I I'm I'm I feel weird about my body because they're making comments about the shape of my body in you know in the process of taping the show and now I'm like I'm on a diet and I'm embarrassed and you know like they have that really nice moment of connection where Miranda's like I think you're a beautiful person like you know but it was nice to see a moment where Che wasn't so completely like I'm self-confident and I'm you know like I embrace myself and I love myself and I'm you know like just showing that there's there are these sensitive spots there are these like tender you know hard you know aside from the you know whatever you know the the usual struggles that somebody trying to exist in this world as a non-binary person and 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 right. and live that truth but also just like very human like they called me fat they basically called me fat in the cast in the costuming without using those words but they were they were right. saying that I'm fat and now I'm like a human being who has body image issues and you know like just sort of bringing Che back to like reality reality and like okay now Che feels like a person and not a yeah. concept so I was like that that was cool I that liked was that cool. yeah and I don't I think this gives the writers maybe too much credit for what they deserve but it mm-hmm. also seemed to me like using Che and giving them all of these more human characteristics and making them that much more relatable it also felt while the both of them were in LA that things felt so rocky and you know just not working out yeah clearly plot wise the pilot ends up not working out right things go south for that show and of course both of them come back to New York and I wonder if that's a commentary too towards the writers and just the showrunners saying, you know, we're going to try new things, but just like going to L.A., you know, this is and just like that and not Sex in the City. Right. So it's kind of like growing pains right. of like trying to reach their own identity because they're kind of going through an identity crisis and the Internet called them out hardcore yeah. for it after season one. Yeah. Yeah. So it was weird. I don't think, as I said, it would be giving them credit to say that they were acknowledging that through that storyline. Right. But to me, it felt very fish out of water. Of course, Che feels so confident in New York because they run New York. Like, that's yeah. their town. Yeah, exactly. And if you take them out of their town, they're not as sure of themselves. And yeah, things yeah. don't go well. Yeah. So, I don't know. It was nice that they came back to New York because the L.A. storyline was kind of trying and tumultuous yeah. and i was glad when it was over i was too i mean i'm always happy to see uh american national treasure tony danza um yes. i'm i was like i was so i mean like i know they were in season one where when che was explaining i got this pilot and they're gonna get tony danza to play my dad i just thought that was like a little throwaway toss away joke and then tony right. danza like is like yeah i'll be on and just like that playing myself why not and he's like He's like the most wonderful man. I mean, and by all accounts, like in real life, he is a wonderful human being. Um, so <laughs> I just thought it was really sweet that he was like, yeah, I'm going to play like the nice dad on this fake sitcom on and just like that. And also I'm going to like play myself and like the awesomeness that I am because I'm Tony Danza. I don't know. I, 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 I liked that part of it. Um yeah, definitely. It did. Again, this is where they started introducing threads that never got picked up on. Like, we meet um, Shay's 
husband. Uh, Ridiculous. Uh, played by Oliver Hudson, <laughs> who I almost didn't recognize. Um, yeah. And the husband, and it's like, then it's like, okay, then we get back to this idea that Che is kind of a messy person. Because this is Che's husband, and they have not bothered to officially divorce. It seems like Che realized who they were, came out, whatever. They stayed best friends, sort of, and they never really cleaned up the, you know, so that's, of course, Miranda's like, uh, I don't know how I feel about this. And there's that weird episode where they're back in New York. Che's living in Hudson Yards for some reason, which is not a place that a stand-up comedian could afford. I mean, I guess I guess no. Che was counting on, like, big money coming from the sitcom. That pilot money. Yeah. They were counting on it. Exactly. And I was like, no, that's not a... And, like, also, even, you know, like, why that neighborhood? Like, that's not a neighborhood that a person like Che would be interested no. in living in. Like, that, like... No, that's like, not the vibe. Yeah, like, Che needs to be in, you know, like... Chelsea or like the East Village, you know. Yeah, the village, or maybe even maybe Brooklyn. Maybe like, Bro- Brooklyn would make more sense, and that would also yeah. like eliminate the the completely stupid manufactured problem of of Miranda's like nightmare commute uh, to school. Which again, also like I thought that was dumb because it was like Miranda has to wake up at the crack of dawn because she has to go to Brooklyn first to get things ready get get brady out of bed for brady's a grown-ass adult yeah cook the breakfast yeah brady's a freaking (laughs) 18 year old grown-ass adult he can do his own laundry or if he doesn't do his own laundry, he can walk around in smelly clothes like and it's not like she abandoned him when he was like a preteen yeah she just left the household it's not like she ruined his adolescence into teenagerhood and he doesn't know how to take care of himself if he doesn't know how to take care of himself she should feel guilty because she messed up now yeah (laughs) right not for abandoning them for years right exactly so i was like well that this is a manufactured problem and also like if she lived in brooklyn that would you know a be like you said make more sense and be like anyway but like whatever obviously plot for plot's sake um i i do like that I mean, again, it felt very manufactured, but it did allow for Naya to become a more integrated part of the characters' lives because the solution ultimately was Miranda and Naya were going to be roommates. And I was like, okay, this this now brings Naya into the, the circle fully. So It was funny, was- though, because while... You did see more of Naya. Her character was so much more two-dimensional, I thought. I thought so, too. In this season, which seemed bizarre. Yeah, because it was all about, like, you know, her husband goes on tour, might be fooling around with one of his bandmates, and then they're just, like, she's just abruptly, like, you know, uh, we're getting a divorce, whatever, and then she discovers Tinder, and then she's having, like, some sort of sexual awakening of her own, but is sort of being, like, super inconsiderate of of Miranda as a roommate. Um, and then and it just was a woman with no common sense at all when it comes to dating. Yeah. It's just, I understand she's been with Andre for a long time, but it was just weird to see a Columbia professor right. revert to such childish antics. It was weird. Right. right. It was, it was yeah. very weird. It was very, very weird. Um, 
I, you know, and also, like, I think it's highly suspect that Miranda would be able to walk back into her internship at Human Rights Watch after she completely ditched them for the L.A. pilot. I don't don't think it's that easy to go back and be like, hey, take me back. But you You held my spot, right? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like, and then, you know, but also, like. That was interesting, too, because, you know, they I mean, we're jumping all over the episodes now. But, you know, like I think it makes more sense that way. Yeah. But it's character yeah. arcs Char- rather yeah. than right. episodic arcs. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Because then Miranda kind of I mean, it's awkward because obviously her internship boss. I mean, it made sense to me that her internship boss would be like, OK, we have an intern who has like almost 30 years of, you know, corporate law experience like of course right. this is an intern who's going to get the cushier intern tasks i mean i felt bad for the younger interns but it was also just kind of like well yeah they're not gonna make her do photocopies like that's that's just not gonna that's not a thing um but it was kind of cool because it kind of you could see miranda finding a way to sort of reclaim her like her professionalism, you know, um, cause she made, cause she was such a, a weird hot mess in school last semester. Um, and you're just kind of like, wow, this is a woman who like was partner at a huge law firm and she's just like word vomiting all over class all the time. Um, so it was kind of cool to have a, a situation where in this internship, she's her work you know, her professionalism and her work experience is being acknowledged and she gets to actually, you know, like draw upon that experience and, and, and actually, you know, like she's, she's getting to fulfill the goal that she was hoping to fulfill when she went back to school. And so it was kind of nice to see that happen for her because in the original series, she was, you know, like she was the career woman. She, and she loved being a lawyer and it felt like in season one, she just became like this complete, you know, disaster, unprofessional, just like hot mess of a person because of her entanglement with Che. And so it kind of allowed Miranda to to, to become more of herself again, you know, while still acknowledging yes. that she does not see herself as straight anymore and does not want to be in the marriage that she was in anymore but she still is at her core you know a very good lawyer and a very you know articulate person and and good at what she does so i was like okay it's that it feels a little bit like we've got a bit of a a a miranda redemption arc as well um a little bit although it did bother me that she was so quick and so desperate to put herself in a box, trying right. to figure out who she was. Right. It was a bummer because they started to go towards her just questioning and being more open to discovering who she is. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as she starts meeting more women that strike her fancy, she was like, well, I guess I'm just a lesbian. It's like, right. Yeah. And it's like, no, maybe I don't... you're not. Though. Maybe, you're, maybe yeah. you're not. Yeah. Yeah. And, that and was... why did you force her back into this box Almost immediately after she was having this very real human realization, oh, maybe I don't know who I am at all. Yeah, and I feel like... And then they flip that. I feel like that is very much, unfortunately, a result of Cynthia Nixon's um, own 
personal life and her own. Sure. I mean, I, I, you know, again, like it's worth mentioning and noting again that Sarah Jessica Parker, Cynthia Nixon, and Kristen Davis are executive producers on this show. So obviously, and I think Cynthia Nixon like directs some episodes here and there. I don't remember which episodes this season she directed. So she's obviously. Cynthia Nixon considers herself a lesbian, so it makes right. sense that she would basically maybe order the writer's room to just have Miranda go whole, full speed ahead. Like, yep, I like ladies. No more no more men for me. Um, right. You know, so... It wasn't as interesting of a story, but I can see what you mean yeah, with her yeah, coming in and just kind of yeah, driving the narrative. I think, I think that that is... I think that that's probably what happened there. Um, it was also just like the way, the way her relationship with Che sort of like imploded was odd to me. I mean, like I get Che was depressed because the pilot didn't work out, but then Che was also just like being fucking weird. Like, you know, like, oh, I have to record these cameos so that I make some money. And it's like, okay. That was the worst. It was, I was like, okay, then go into the living room, Che. Like, go, don't do that in the bedroom when Miranda's, like, trying to sleep. Like, what the fuck is that? You know, like, that was weird. And then, you know, I, um, I do like that when the breakup happened, it seemed to be initiated mostly by Che. I think if that, if Che hadn't, initiated the breakup Miranda would have been happily trying to continue to make that work because she sort of was you know I I feel like that she was kind of clinging to Che like that was sort of you know the maybe a leftover from season one just this idea that she you know like this this was the relationship was sort of her way of like grounding herself into her new identity as she understood it and so I thought that it was pretty astute of Che, despite Che just being an odd person, to be like, uh, yeah, clearly this is not, this is not working. This is not a relationship that is sustainable. And like, I don't, I don't hate you, but like, we're, we're not compatible. Compatible. Um, and it was interesting that it happens right after that huge fight that Miranda has with Steve. And I was so... For sure happy that they put in that fight because in season one um he was so weirdly passive about Miranda leaving him the whole thing and I'm never gonna take off my wedding ring and whatever and I'm not you know like I'm not gonna move on and then it was nice to see that you know as time has gone on and like yeah they're like they're in family therapy that's great um and that's a smart thing to do, <laughs> given what happened. But it was nice to see Steve finally acknowledge the anger that, you know, the anger that I was surprised we didn't see last season. So it's like he's had time to think about it and he's extremely angry, justifiably so. Um, it was a low blow for him to say you didn't even want Brady Although, as yeah, I... Yeah, that was rude. Yeah, I mean, I... I Displaced anger. Yeah, yeah. Because as I remember from the original show, it wasn't necessarily that Miranda didn't want Brady. It was just 
her getting pregnant was a very strange complication in her life that she wasn't expecting for a number of reasons. And she and Steve weren't even together when the, you know, when she got pregnant. So it was like, it wasn't like, Oh, I don't want a baby because babies are gross. It was more just like, Whoa, what the fuck happened to my life right now? Now I I have to do this. I have to do this. I got to make some choices. Like, does it make sense to have a baby right now? Does it make sense to have a baby with, my ex-boyfriend who I'm still friends with who sometimes we accidentally sleep with you know it was like it wasn't about like I didn't want to have a kid it was about oh I I didn't consider this as a as a thing that was going to happen and so that I felt was a low blow for him but also he was very angry and when people are very angry and he was justifiably angry he comes out swinging yep exactly exactly um but yeah, definitely. I think it's weird that, yeah, they let Steve be so docile and it was nice to see him not be a doormat anymore and actually right. show some real response. Right, yeah. right. And I also, I, I, I also, I appreciated that this season they weren't going back to the well of like, Steve's deaf. He wears hearing aids. Like, like what the, like that was one of the <laughs> he's most old. like, he's old. Like, okay. He's number one. He's not, not. None of these women are old. Like, they're in their 50s. That's not, like, anyway, I don't know. It was just, like, but, yeah. Well, yeah, uh, it's like it, they're they're either all not old or they're all old, and it's okay. They're not a mix of the two. Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> like, yeah. maybe Naya gets a pass because she seems a little younger and hipper than the other ladies. I think but so. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I liked, I, I, I liked that they allowed that to happen. I liked that they, you know... I wasn't really a fan of the whole, like, Miranda being angry at Steve for, like, sleeping with other people because it's like, what the fuck? Like, you you cheated right. on him and then left him, you know, like, um, I thought, but, you know, but I don't know. It's it's a complicated situation. People have complicated emotion. Like, that's, you know, that's, that's the way life shakes out sometimes. Um, yeah. You know, I, I will say with... With Miranda and Steve, like, I'm glad that that kind of reached a conclusion. They seem like they were really starting to mend some fences by the end of the season. I agree. But to me, they're going to keep Che around because they've established them as a character and they've Mm -hmm. invested in them. However, by the end of the season, especially after Che was just like roasting Miranda in public. Yeah. At that point, I thought, I don't think Che has any real connection to these people anymore. Now they're just an ex of Miranda's and they're an acquaintance with Carrie at best. At they best, tried to yeah. bond them a little bit more this season, I think. Yeah. That fell kind of flat for me. It did it did and to I'm, me too. I found right. myself wondering why Che was still a character and there's like this whole subplot of, you know, Che going back to their job at the at the vet clinic. Because apparently when you fail with a pilot, you can't do stand up anymore like that whole thing was weird to me too like why can't Che just come back and start developing new material like right. it, it 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 was very very it was like Che did not find the impetus to j- jump back into stand up until they went with Carrie to this book reading at the during the bomb cyclone and somehow that was yeah the widow con and somehow that's what inspired them to get back on the on the horse with stan i don't know i just that was very strange to me um and that was also like a a very very facile way i agree with you to to try to show carrie 
bonding with Che and like making that a friendship that feels like a real friendship and like and like and Che talks her into adopting a kitten and you know I mean like it 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 but if it didn't it didn't strike me as real like I feel like Carrie's friendship with Jackie is more authentic than than her friendship with Che and and Jackie's right. only in like two episodes like he's 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 in the episode he's in episode one because his wife is designing the dress uh mm-hmm. for the Met Ball um not the Met Gala the Met Ball um and like that one scene where she's having dinner with Jackie and he asks if his wife can di- like can design her dress like in that one scene like that connection that friendship felt so much more real and so much more authentic than any interaction that Carrie had with Che at all um, yes and so I was like this is you know like this is odd you know and I like Jackie so much like I yeah. wanted more of him he's just like a he, he's just a fun guy to hang out with yeah he's a weirdo yeah and and I like his relationship with what's his wife's name oh gosh it's something like different it's, something it's odd like sway I, I don't something like uh, something like that yeah but like i like yeah. i think their relationship is cute i think they're a cute yeah. couple like you know I, I i wanted more of them because i just feel like that friendship between carrie and jackie is like a real friendship whereas Chase sure is, it's Chase a little like, more organic yeah whereas Chase is like Chase is like her former sort of boss ish um right. I just thought it was so bizarre that by the end of the season, after seeing your maybe friend acquaintance completely publicly humiliating your best friend yeah. for years, that at the at the end of the season where they're doing that last supper at Carrie's apartment, yeah. that there was even a question of, if I were Carrie, I would have not invited Jay. It would no, have been the easiest thing in the world not, to say, yeah, yeah, we just won't invite them. Yeah, exactly. And then to put Miranda through that struggle of, well, Miranda, you just need to be an adult and get over this because Jay's coming. Like, excuse me? Yeah, no, that's not okay. No, and, not okay at all. And also, like, to get back to the whole thing, too, of, of Jay deciding to re-enter stand-up and using, like, using their stand-up as a way to just make fun of Miranda. Like Jay's comedy, as we've seen it up to that point is not about like insult comedy and like punching down on people. You know, it, it felt very, very like not of a pace of the, the type of stand up comic that Jay was introduced to us as. So I was like, what is this? Is this just Jay's just fumbling for material um you know right because because they you know they've been out of the game for a while or what i don't really know but i was just i, I was shocked because while che has always struck me as sort of um you know self-centered and even you know at the last episode of season one goes i'm a narcissist what are you gonna do ah, ha, ha. you know but like they never seemed mean-spirited right and that that stand-up set was so mean-spirited and they were not willing to even apologize for it. They were no. like, this is, you know, this is what this I is do. This is what I do. Yeah, and it's like, that's, but that's not what you do. That's not the type of comedy you do. I, I thought it was interesting how they showed Che watching videos of their old stand-up material when they still identified as a woman and that, that 
that material was like stupid bad. And yes. so I, I thought that they were... It made more sense. Yeah, exactly. And I was like, I thought that they were maybe trying to go someplace where Che was like, okay, you know, that's that's the comedy I was doing when I wasn't comfortable with myself or my body or who I was as a person. And I need to come back to, you know, like how I, how, like the, the place of authenticity and freedom that I feel now that I accept who I am. Because also, like, the the way the whole pilot thing blew up was very invalidating for them in terms of their identity because of all the changes that the producers and the network wanted to make, um, right. you know, to the, you know, like, the pilot failed, you know, the pilot failed because, like, the writing was bad. The pilot failed because right. it was, you know, all of the things that Che was saying, you know, like, when they do the, the focus group, um, you know, and, and, and people were criticizing... The pilot, Che was like, I said that. I said that. I told the producers that. They're saying, like, I was right. I called all of this. Like, and it was, you know, that moment of, like, validation, but also just, like, so disappointing to be like, okay, I was right. Um, I was right about all this, and the network didn't listen, and now my pilot is not succeeding. And so I thought, you know, that that moment when they went back and watched, like, you know, Cheryl, the stand-up comic, with the right. really, really hacky, you know, like, dating material, I thought that that was a moment where Che was going to be like, okay, I'm going to go back and, and connect with my authentic self because that has been tamped down so much by my experience with the pilot. And instead, Che just becomes just gonna like, be just going to be mean. And I was like, I was like, that's not, you know, like, it makes, it makes a character that's already difficult to like and difficult to connect with even less likable. And it's like, you know, and then we yes. already like there was already like that weird moment when um I don't even know the name of, of Che's not quite ex husband. Oliver Hudson. Oh yes. Let's, we'll, just, yes. we'll just call him Oliver Hudson. I think his name is Lyle. Lyle, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And that that whole thing where like they almost have a threesome with Lyle. Ugh. And I'm just like, what is going on here? Why is like, why is Lyle okay with this? Like what? And again, plot line introduced, dropped. We don't hear from Lyle ever again after that episode, after the like aborted threesome situation. And it's just like, I thought that Lyle could have been a really interesting character because of the co- conversation that he and Carrie have in the apartment when she drops mm-hmm. by with the housewarming gift. And he's like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, I knew Che before Che was Che. And, you know, let me tell you what that was like. And, you know, I thought we were going to use Lyle as a way to, again, further humanize Che. Not to say that, you know, learning about Che as a woman would humanize them. But just, you know, here's somebody who saw Che evolve, who was with Che when they were identifying as a woman and not comfortable with that and then you know was obviously like they're still close they're still friends like lyle is the person che calls when miranda gets stranded at the beach you know Mm -hmm. like they're they're obviously still buddies so you know that's he obviously was somebody who was very supportive of them when they were in the process of coming out and figuring out who they were and I was like oh this is cool because it's like we're meeting we're meeting a friend of Che's happens to be fleshing out the backstory yeah Yeah. exactly happens to be her former husband who they never legally divorced but still like 
this is a this is a, a genuine friend of Che's, and I thought that that was gonna lead to again making Che feel more like a a person and less like a concept. Um, and then again, yeah, maybe just, like dropped, just dropped. Yeah, we never we never hear from Lyle again, and I, I'm like, okay, I don't know what that's all about. And then it, yeah. you know, like in retrospect, it just feels like another way for them to be like, well, Che's a messy person because yes, they are aren't divorced from their husband, even though they're not with their husband anymore, but still occasionally maybe they sleep together. It looks like mm-hmm. based on what happened with the aborted threesome. So yeah. you know, like. It's like, okay, Che is a messy person, and that's all we get. Che is non-binary, stand-up comic, had a pilot that failed, and has a very messy personal life. And yeah. that's it. Like, that's all we get. And yeah, not outside yeah. of... I. I don't dislike Sarah Ramirez at all. No, I think I think they're doing point, the best they can with really thankless material, and I felt that way. I think last so too. too. You know, but I think maybe hmm, if if they're gonna keep them around as a character, which it seems like they're going to, yeah. The only thing that they can do with Lyle now is just show it as a, a stepping stone for Che getting their shit together in yeah. season three finally going through the process of having to do something very adult like getting divorced right and figuring out that whole thing especially if they stay with i think their partner's name is toby to- or at oh, least the, right the, the the person that they're starting to see at the right, end of the season right the girl that that she met at the or, or that they met at the at the vet at clinic. the vet yeah yeah which if they're gonna keep che around I guess we're just going to have to deal with it, even mm-hmm. though I think the character doesn't make sense to keep around anymore no, at this point. I don't think so either. I think that's my main issue with season two and season one and to a lesser extent, but season two, there's just so many storylines yeah. to keep track of. Yeah. And it's nice when there's more of a framework per episode, right. but there's not a framework per episode, really. This is more, and I think it's because of that article you sent me yeah. with them comparing the show to the movies rather than Sex and the City. Yeah. Is that, yeah, the episodes don't feel like contained episodes. It's more of a season-long plot arc that they're kind of just weaving in and out of. Right. As the season goes along. Right. And that does them a disservice because there are just too many plot threads that some episodes feel very lacking in the Carrie department or very lacking in the Miranda department. And it makes the the framework of the season as a whole seems really messy yeah and seems like the writers don't know what they're doing yeah and i don't think they do they I, actually do. i don't think they do either i don't think they right. do either i mean like and then what we were talking about with 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 naya as well they clearly don't know what to do with naya they're like what no. like naya's plot point in one episode was she makes a souffle <laughs> yes she's alone on valentine's day and she, she eats a souffle she eats a souffle she makes it and she succeeds and cool souffles are hard to make i've tried they're hard uh Good she makes you, it and she ate it and that was great and i'm like that, that was, was that was her plot okay great um you know so that was kind of stupid there was a whole again um Lisa, I feel like maybe we should just do this like character by character or couple by couple. Yeah, I was going to say, I think what we should get into next is the bulk of the plot, the Carrie and Aiden story. We can save Charlotte yeah. and Harry for last because they're fun and we like them. Yeah. And, I, and, and we'll we'll talk yeah. about LTW in between these two, but give yeah. her like a nice little, and Seema too. 
We'll talk about them very briefly yeah. in between I think Carrie and Aiden and Charlotte Sema, and Harry. <laughs> I think they gave Seema some good stuff this season. But Seema, yeah. I feel like we can talk about that when we talk. Because Seema's... Carrie and Aiden. Yeah. Very, yeah. very much a part of the, the Carrie and Aiden plot line. Okay. So, so outside of yeah. the films, I really love Aiden. I love the Aiden storylines. I love John Corbett. Aiden I think he's great. I like yeah. I like him a lot. However, what they did with his character in the second film is ridiculous and yeah. dumb, and it turns him into a pseudo villain. And yeah. I didn't want Aiden to be a pseudo villain. I just wanted him to be wrong for Carrie. Exactly. And I think that was fine. Yeah. I I have always felt. I mean, this is going to sound harsh because, like, I've always felt that Aiden was wrong for Carrie. Because Aiden was just too good for and her. normal and normal. Like she, yes. Carrie is such a neurotic mess, and had such a blind spot when it came to John slash Mister Big, right. and it it you know, and this is the thing. Like I feel like this season when they brought Aiden back, they were trying to touch upon that specific thing carrie had a blind spot when it came to big and she allowed it to sabotage her relationship with aiden twice which could have been good which could have been good as yeah, she you for know, her and just in general just in general and and twice twice she let it sabotage their relationship right. and um and it's like now that he's dead now that big is out of the picture you know there there was some really interesting moments where i was like oh the show is gonna is gonna do something really like it's gonna force us to reevaluate the big and carry relationship because we were led to believe oh you know once they got together you know and got married they had a wonderful happy life blah 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 whatever but i think we talked about it in our last episode our last you know our last conversation about this show you know like big wasn't really you know like he wouldn't go to her to like you know, Lily's piano recital. Right. Like he wasn't really that involved in her life outside of their relationship and yes. wasn't interested in that. Um, no. you know, he was just like this he was just like the guy that Carrie wanted to be with at all costs. And Yeah, and she finally got him to behave close enough yeah. to what she wanted him to behave right. as but she never really got the full she never really got the win exactly and then like you right. know and and then they introduce little threads of that the whole episode where they do the will reading and um natasha he leaves natasha a million dollars in the will and she spins out about that i was like okay again you know like i like this is because it's punching holes in carrie's idea that her relationship with John was like perfect and wonderful once he admitted that he loved her. And it's like, well, no, this was a very complicated guy. This is a very messy guy as well. A very messy human <laughs> being as well. Um, and, you know, even in death, he caused her to behave in ways that were completely out of control, psychotic, like don't, yes. don't fucking stalk Natasha at her job. Like, don't, you know, like, don't try to break into his computer. Like, don't, you know, make a fake appointment with her at her job. Don't, you know, like, don't walk around and, like, you know, I, I know that Carrie wasn't intending to bump into her at the Starbucks on the Upper West Side or whatever. But, like, you know, it's like, it's like, don't do that. Leave her alone. Don't like, fixate. You, exactly. Like, you yeah. already, you already 
ruined that woman's life once. Yes. And and it ultimately doesn't matter. And the fact that Carrie doesn't have anyone around her that can tell her this will not bring you closure is right. a problem. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And like, and even Natasha, like when they finally have the conversation, Natasha's like, I don't fucking know why he left me the money. I don't know what to tell you. Leave me alone. Like, I haven't I talked even, to him yeah, in years. I haven't talked to him in yeah. years. I don't even want the money. I'm refusing it. They can figure out what to do with it. Or if I must take it, like, I got the sense that she was probably going to donate it somewhere or whatever. She's like, I don't right. know. I don't fucking know. We weren't in touch. You know, I really don't want to think about you or him ever again. I was forced to think about him again because I was told he left me fucking money that I didn't want. And now you're stalking me. You know, like, I feel like Natasha is like one of the most wronged characters in the entire history of this show. Like, he, like, Big never should have married her. You know, like, that's, that, that whole thing, like, he, he, he fucked up her life so badly. Oh, And, yes. like, you know, who could blame her for being like, I would prefer not to think about you two ever again. And yes. now I'm being forced to not only because of this inheritance I didn't want, but because you're still crazy and you're still fucking stalking me. Like, because Carrie's even haunting in, her. Yeah. Even she, in, she did not die, but she yeah, is haunting someone. Even in the original series, I remember there's an episode where like Carrie finds out where she's having lunch and tries to oh, sit yes. down and apologize. It's like Carrie has not learned a Leave thing. Her alone. Leave her alone. No, she hasn't. She hasn't learned a thing. It's been like, what, 20 years? She hasn't learned a thing. Leave the woman alone. She does no. not want to talk to you. You guys are never going to be friends. You know. Um, and, so, you know, yeah. Yeah, I like that. Having they, Aiden come back in was right. So kind I, of good. It was kind of good but because I feel like they'd already, they'd already, like, kind of planted the idea in our heads and maybe even Carrie's head that, like, her relationship with John was not as perfect as she wanted to believe and then Aiden comes back in and immediately she's like, it's so comfortable. It feels so normal. And then she even says like, and then like Shay comes over because they're like Airbnb in Shay's apartment that they can no longer afford. Um, All because, because Aiden cannot step Aiden, foot, can't in, step that foot in that apartment. apartment. Which to me was the first warning sign. Yeah. Right. Like you guys haven't grown up. Yeah. Like this. Enough. Like, this is yeah, exactly. not going to be good. This is not- You're both regressing. It's not yeah, good. Exactly. Like if you, if you still, if you can't bring yourself to be in the apartment, then, you know, like th- this is. Maybe this, this isn't is, worth this it. This isn't worth it. Or, or you, or I don't know, couples counseling. I don't know. Yes. Do something. You can't just be like, oh, we're going to go move into Che's apartment and stock it with all sorts of kitchen supplies and decorations. And But I like... Or outside of that, before Che's apartment, yeah, just being in a hotel. Being in a hotel. Just, it's so extravagant. But I, just I, the I, amount of wealth. <laughs> I, yeah. I like the way that they have Che be the first one because Che is like kind of tactless in some ways. So I like that Che is the first one to be like... So I'm looking at you two now and I can't figure out why this didn't work the first time. Why didn't it work? And then there's that moment where Carrie goes, because I made a mistake. And that line can be interpreted in many different ways. And then again, moving on, like, you know, she has the conversation with Miranda where she's like, this 
feels so comfortable and good and like safe with Aiden this 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 relationship now as it is and like she's like it's it's like the sex is great like it's all going so well and now I'm wondering maybe she basically says was was big a big mistake and I thought that that was a huge and really interesting bombshell to throw in like even Miranda didn't quite know how to react to it. She was just like, "Oh, you know," and like, because yeah, that's a huge, that's a huge thing to say to be like, maybe my relationship with my husband, like you know, like my fifteen, twenty year long relationship with my husband was a mistake, was a detour, was was like me fixating on the wrong thing and prevented me from having a good thing with Aiden because I had a blind spot. I thought that that was like a moment of like really interesting um self-awareness self-reflection on carrie's part which we don't often get no we do not um and then pretty well, much it was also mm-hmm. interesting that she brought that up because a i thought it was a cool character moment for carrie right yeah but if they would have continued down that line yeah. of thought and like actually really explored it it would have been fun to see all of the friends together actually wrestling with the idea that they're kind of there's a bit of toxicity to their friendship because, yes, while the friends, like especially Miranda, kind of had to gaslight themselves into believing that Big was good. Yeah. Because oh, Carrie yeah. really led them all through the Big yeah. saga yeah. for, decades for decades of their lives. Right, exactly. Really like painting how they all lived their lives and how they associated with Carrie. It's wild to yeah. me. If, my, if I had a friend who said, oh, remember all that trauma I put you through for, like, two decades? Yeah. My bad. Maybe maybe it was wrong. Maybe it was, yeah. <laughs> I'd be like, are you kidding me? Right, because I keep, I keep thinking of this scene from the series finale of Sex and the City when Big goes to the cafe and he meets, um, he sees Miranda, Samantha, and, and Charlotte, and Charlotte, like, called this emergency meeting or whatever because she was when she like went to carrie's apartment to get the mail she heard big on the phone and you know charlotte's very like oh love yay and you know um she like arranges this meetup with them when and he comes and he goes if you think she's happy in france i'll leave her alone if not um but i like the moment where he walks into the cafe the three of them look up charlotte is beaming because charlotte is charlotte and she's like love and, he loves Mar- her. and Miranda and Samantha are giving him like the death glare. Mm-hmm. They're like, they're like, we are not happy to see you. We're not happy you're here. We're not happy that this is the reason why you're here. You know, like, oh, now you realize you're in love with her? Fuck you. You know, and it feels also like when when they tell him, go get when Miranda says, go get her, it's less about oh, we know you're her true love and more about they're not fully comfortable with the healthiness of the relationship she was in with Alexander. Like Miranda in particular was like, I don't think that that's a good relationship for her to be in. I don't think that it's good for her professionally, personally. She's isolated, you know. Or safe. yeah, Yeah, exactly. So I feel like their motivation in telling John to go to Paris and get her was partially because they knew that she would always you know she that she loved him and would always love him and partially because they were like well we know she's not in a good place right now 
in and Paris, we can't snap and her we out can't of it. snap her out of it. So maybe this is what it takes to get her to come home and get away yeah. from that really unhealthy relationship. Um. So yeah, it was again. It's like you know they all. I feel like they all just sort of put up with it and they put up with him and he wasn't like a you know like he was kind of fun to hang out with you know like in the movies where like you know in the lead up to the wedding the the first the aborted wedding all of the like the rehearsal dinner and stuff like it looked like they'd all kind of become buddies they were all like you know harry and yeah harry and smith and you know like with the like cigars, Steve with the cigars and, and stuff i was like okay yeah. it's like they weren't like best buds with him, but like he was, they, they got to a point where they could be friendly with him. Yeah. But they he, were starting to adopt him into the friend group because yeah. they figured this guy's going to be around. Yeah. So. But he was never close to them the way, like Harry, I believe is authentically friends with Charlotte's friends. Steve, yes. I believe is authentically friends with Miranda's friends. Like that was, yes. you know, those, those two men were very, invested in their relationships and in be, you know becoming a part of the like you know found family or whatever that that their you know their their partners had had created in New York and like wanted to you know be be a part of that and like be friends with them um yes. and that's that's absolutely not something that John was interested in whatsoever. No, Biggs like I'll show up Carrie if you're making me, but if you're not making me, yeah, I will. Exactly. I'll hang out at home and ride the Peloton. Exactly. Exactly. Whereas like you see like I as I remember in the show in the in in the show, you know, when when Aiden was with Carrie, like he wanted to become he wanted to be like like buds with with the girls. He, he made yeah. an effort and then even in this season of and just like that he comes back into her life and he's like hanging out with all of them going out to dinner with them you know like he he like he was and also like completely almost forgot this like he and steve were really good friends like he invested friends, he yeah. invested money in that bar that steve opened that then became super successful like and then, then I guess he was a silent partner for all these years. But, sure. you know, like, I'm like, was Steve in touch with Aiden all this? Maybe not. Like, I don't know. But, yeah, like, Aiden and Steve were – I have, like, this one one episode in the original – I think it was the episode where Carrie kept running into the woman that Aiden dated right after their relationship blew up. And the, the face, mm -hmm. the woman who kept making the face whenever she, like, ran into Carrie – um and then like carrie like had to track steve down and be like hey can you tell me like how bad things were after everything blew up with aiden and steve was like he wasn't in good shape carrie like i try to be there for him and he, there's a line that sticks in my head he goes i brought him chicken wings like, <laughs> you know which is such a <laughs> such a steve bro thing. move yeah exactly but it's like you know steve like steve was steve was close with aiden and so I can see very easily also how Carrie would feel that this rekindling of the relationship felt so natural because Aiden mm -hmm. already knew her closest friends and like was comfortable with them and was like happy to see them again. And then like these new friends that she's made in the meantime, like he's making he, an he's, effort with yeah, them. Yeah, exactly. Too. You know, and like, um, you know, I thought that they were going to go somewhere with that. And then again, it's like it got dropped. It was like Carrie makes that big bombshell 
announcement. Maybe big was a big mistake. And then it never gets picked up again. And then, you know, like, the well, story... I think even Aiden's getting written out of the show at the end of the season... Yeah. I think that was just a cop-out. I think they were just I think so too. basically saying, okay, we had Aiden back on. You all wanted Aiden. We gave you Aiden. But we can't have this be endgame for Carrie, or else we won't have a show. It won't be interesting. So yeah. we have to get rid of him somehow, and this is how we're going to do it. And it was so... It was so stupid and it was one of those things where i i I, it's like two things that i want to want to like touch on with you know aiden aiden's return um first of all i think it introduced a really interesting dimension to carrie's relationship with sema i think sema is the most developed of all of the new new friends on the show absolutely definitely agree and um you know i think that 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 moment um when Seema says I'm having trouble being around you in this new relationship because like you've rekindled something with like this one great love in your life and you already had another great you know like this is like these are like the two great loves of your life and you get to have a second chance with one of them and like I'm still out here looking and I'm I'm in my 50s and I'm still out here looking and I'm like I'm feeling really horrible about myself right now and I'm feeling really uncomfortable being around you because it's making me feel bad about myself and my life. Yeah. And that's not who I am. That's not how I want to see myself. And then, I mean, I thought that that, that scene with the two of, with Carrie and Seema outside on the sidewalk. The with salon. The, the salon with the, with the umbrellas. So good. Yeah. It was like this really great moment. Like, it was like a great friendship moment. It was like a, you know, when Carrie was like, no, 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 I'm not, I, I'm not letting you push me away. And obviously you see that that's very it's very clear that that's motivated by, you know, her feelings about what happened with Samantha, where she's just like, I'm not, I'm not going to let you push me away. And Seaman's like, yeah, but you got to give me some space right now. I thought that that was like such a, um, a really, really well done, um, scene about like friendship and how, like how to have a healthy friendship, like how to be a good friend and how, you know, like, and sometimes being a good friend means you need to give someone space when they're asking for it. And you can tell that, yes. that Carrie doesn't want to do it because that's not in Carrie's nature. And she's also, like, still very scarred, I guess, by what happened with Samantha, even though they achieved a bit of a detente. We can talk about mm. that later, too, anyway. Because, anyway. Um, but, but, yeah, I thought it was a cool character moment for Seema as well, because, as you can tell, Seema is friends with Carrie. She's becoming even better friends with Carrie. Yeah. And maybe was placing some romantic value onto Carrie. Right. Even though she didn't want to, and that wasn't her intent. But yeah, like... But the scene with where they go for the massage and they're only doing couples massage and Seema freaks out. Yeah. And I think she's starting to think like, well, I can't rely on Carrie like this. Yeah. Because Carrie is not my person and going on vacation with her. What I really want is a romantic relationship with a man. Right. And then when Carrie finds Aiden again, yeah, when Seema has that moment, she said, well, it it wasn't a friend breakup because obviously they weren't breaking up, but it was a moment where Seema was telling her outright, like, what we have 
isn't as healthy as what I thought we had. Right. At least on my side. Right. Which is kind of cool because right. you don't really get to see that in female friendships. I think a lot of female friendships become codependent in a really yeah. negative, unhealthy way. Yeah. And, and they didn't really fully explore that in the show to a great degree, but they like dipped their toe in yeah, to that conversation. Yeah, I mean, I got the sense from that conversation that Seema was basically saying something to the effect of, you know, like, she was, she was getting emotionally from Carrie what she wanted to be getting from a man in a romantic relationship, but she didn't have a man and she didn't have a romantic relationship, so she was leaning on Carrie for that right. emotional support. And then when Carrie was, A, less available because Aiden came back, and B, then the relationship with Aiden was becoming, like, a really horrible, like, you know, like, salt in the wound of, of Seema feeling lonely. Right. Um, you know, I think that that was, that, that was a really, again, it was a, a really, it was a good moment in the depiction of, like, how a healthy female friendship works. And then also just, like, yeah. making Seema, like, a real fleshed out character amongst these new characters that we've been introduced to like she's the one who is the most developed as a person and the most she's like the most believable new friend and also the most believable to me person to join the original core three yes you know um so I liked that and I like that they show I mean like they kind of glossed over it but you know but the end of that episode she does show up for the dinner and I kind she, of teared up a little bit yeah, when she exactly. showed up. She showed up. She's like, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna make an effort. And Aiden, because Aiden is sort of like Aiden probably doesn't know about that conversation, but Aiden is just like a much more emotionally aware and available person than Big was. He was like, you know, immediately like super nice, super charming. Let me get you a chair. I want to learn about you, whatever. You know, like he he was just like he knew how to be the right, you know, like the right person in that moment to make right. Seema feel less shitty about yes. the situation. Even if he didn't realize that that was what he was doing, he made her feel comfortable in a moment where she was like, okay, I'm showing up because I'm trying to be a good friend, but I, uh, I don't know. And then he like, <laughs> he like immediately made her feel comfortable. Um, if we're going to talk about Seema, her like abrupt like uh falling into a really intense relationship with that film director guy um felt very shoehorned in at the end it was like two episodes and then all of a sudden like she's very very emotionally attached to him yes Um, i do think it was kind of cute when they had dinner with carrie and aiden and aiden like realizes he's the director of like this niche you know action movie that he and yes. his sons love and he's like fanboying over him i'm like okay this is this is like such an aiden thing like this is like but i i liked that too because i was like okay they're int- like you know seema was struggling with carrie being back in this relationship now seema's with somebody and seema's with somebody who clicks with carrie's boyfriend so like maybe this could be like you know a good thing for everybody right now and like you right. know it felt like they were just setting up all these dominoes for like oh everyone's gonna end up in a healthy place <laughs> you know and then the way they ended the situation with aiden 
it, it, it brought me back to what we talked about when we talked about the first season, which is that all of the children on this show are horrible. All they are. are. They're all horrible. I mean, like Brady. They're all weird caricatures they're weird of caricatures. what children are. Yeah. And they're, and they're like not mature. They're not, they're ridiculous. Like, you know, obviously Miranda and Shay's relationship was doomed, but you know, like Brady got dumped by his girlfriend while they were backpacking in Europe. Like, yeah, it's sad, but Miranda didn't need to drop everything and, no, you know, like, sabotage the pilot taping by sneaking her phone in and, like, oh, I'm getting on a plane tonight because I need to go hug my baby boy because he got dumped. Like, really? You know, like... Grow up. All yeah, of you need yeah, to grow up. Yeah, like, he's 18. He's fine. I mean, he's not fine. He's sad. He got dumped. But, like, he doesn't need... But Steve's need... there, too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he doesn't need his mommy in that moment, necessarily. Like, not... Or not right then. Like, she can come... Gross. Yeah. You know, like, she can come in a couple of days, you know, like... So that was weird. Um, the entire... There's that entire, like, plot line where uh, Rock uh, gets a brief taste of, like, being a model... And Rock is horrible. I mean, out of all of the children, Rock is the most horrible. Um, They're pretty bad. Yeah. And and then, like, after dragging Charlotte all over town for these, like, go-sees at the modeling agencies, is like, actually, I don't really want to be a model. Yeah, I'm all. over it. And it's like, wow, you suck. Um, and then Lily, slightly less horrible, but still ridiculous. I mean, like, sending her mom out in the bomb cyclone to buy condoms like why can't you i mean like you can door dash you know like you right can, you know like there's there are services that exist even in extreme weather conditions that would have allowed them to like deal with that problem that didn't involve calling her mother and making her yes. mother like walk all over town trying to get into drugstores yeah so it's just not, and no. if the boy you're sleeping with can't get it together to go to the pharmacy and get the condoms himself yeah. maybe you shouldn't be sleeping yes, with this boy anyway exactly exactly <laughs> um i did i thought there was some the humorous stuff going on when carrie and uh not carrie when miranda and charlotte were trying to figure out if lily and brady were hooking up because number one that's not we don't often see miranda and charlotte playing off of each other um no it's yeah not, not often it's, enough it's not yeah and so and like and and it was like they're both quite funny um and so like i enjoyed the sort of like really not subtle subterfuge they were trying to do when they were like trying to investigate whether this was happening or not and then i also like how it became like later on like charlotte goes to harry and goes oh my god what if they end up together and they get married and then like Miranda is our in-law and Harry's like, Oh my God. You know, like I thought that was funny too. <laughs> I, I, th I remember I texted you before when we, when we were planning, like we were scheduling this, I was like, Charlotte and Harry are like the MVPs of this show at this point. They are my favorite characters by far, by far. Um, <laughs> their, their, their children are horrible, but their relationship is like, 
so endearing and so healthy and like they so clearly love each other and yeah you know like the and they're supportive of each other um they have great taste in television because they got obsessed with the americans which is a brilliant television show so i'm like harry sneaking up. into rock's modeling gig oh wearing yeah the wig and the sweatshirt yeah, exactly <laughs> so funny yeah he's like he's you know and then i also like that they gave charlotte because one of the things that was frustrating to me in the run of the original Sex and the City series was that Charlotte had this life plan for herself that she was, once she got engaged and married to her perfect on paper husband, Trey. To her, yes. That she was going to stop working and she gave up her job at the gallery and, you know, was going to be a stay-at-home wife. And then that marriage blew up. And then in the process of finalizing the divorce, she met Harry and then basically fell right back. It's like she got to be this. She continued to be the stay-at-home wife and the stay-at-home mom. And I thought that that was unfortunate because it was very clear that, you know, she was an intelligent person. Like I remember when right. she was in the episode where she was in the process of interviewing the girl who was going to take her job at the gallery. And she's going over this girl's resume. And she's like, oh, cool. You... You know, like you majored in art history and you minored in finance. That's just like me. And I was like, damn, Charlotte has a degree in art history and finance. Like this is a, you know, like a very, very well-educated woman and like not something that we, you know, like of that core for, you know, like Miranda was the smart one. And I'm like, nope, I'm pretty sure Charlotte is stealth yes super smart and we just don't get to see it because she is has like she's put herself in this box as like you know she's going to be the most perfect like wife and mother and i like that this season you know gave her an opening to go back to that and showed that she was still really fucking good at her job it was like a little bit of a parallel with miranda like oh she's good at this work she's really good at her job and like you know like when she comes back home like super drunk that night after the girls at the gallery take her out because she made that huge sale to sam smith um random cameo by sam smith um yeah and they were like you know they're using all this like gen z slang like you're slaying it at work and she's just like i'm slaying it out she gets like yeah and and she like comes home and she's like she you know and, and like what I like about, well, first, what I thought was funny was like, you know, her kids are useless. Lily and Rock are useless. And Harry's not used to being the go-to parent. So, like, I'll give Harry some slack because he's not used to being the go-to parent when things go wrong. Because he's had a stay-at-home wife, mom, all these years. Um, Lily and Rock are old enough to figure out how to fucking order dinner on their own or make some you know microwave tv dinners or whatever the you know like they like yes. they're, they're it's not it's not hopeless also was it rock who left their notebook at home and then harry had to go i'm sorry when i was in school if i left shit at home that i needed that's for it. school that's it oops sorry it's done. it's done i guess i'm not turning in that homework assignment and i'm gonna get a zero or i'm gonna get one point knocked down because i'll bring it into you know like Yes. Nobody like my like my dad was not gonna drop everything and go and find my fucking notebook at home. It was not a code red. Yeah. At all. At all. At all. So I was just kind of like, okay, so these children are terrible. 
<laughs> Harry's struggling, and I and I'll give him some leeway because of you know he's this is just not he this is not the life he's used to, and he's not used to being this person. But when she goes to him and says, "You need to step it up," because I'm good at my job and I like my job and I'm keeping my job. And I was also good at this, and you need to get good at this. Yeah, exactly. And he's yeah. and he's just like understood, and he. And he steps it up, even if he's not going to do it as perfectly, quote unquote, as she did. He's like, you know, he recognizes that she is getting a lot of fulfillment out of returning to work. And also, like, when she says, I'm good at my job, I'm doing well, he believes her. Even if he's not necessarily seeing it in person, he's like, yeah, my (laughs) wife's awesome. Of course she's doing well at work. Like, cool. So I'm like, they're like, they have like the healthiest relationship in this, like of anybody in this show, like their, their relationship, their marriage seems like it's just in a really, really super healthy place. They're supportive of each other. They get along really well with each other. They have like the same doofy sense of humor. Um, and it's really a shame that the kids are terrible, but you know, yeah. like, and I, I don't know if that's like a nature versus nurture problem or if it's, just, or if it's just that the, we just have to accept that all the children on and just like that are just bad children. This is, well, yeah. I feel bad for them too, because they are bad children. Definitely. Right. But I feel like Charlotte and Harry, and I think slowly but surely LTW and her husband, Mm-hmm. And that might be it. And Seema. I think Mm -hmm. Seema too. I think the writers use the rest of the characters as just plot devices. Mm Because I think the children are merely used as plot devices. Right. And not actual fleshed out characters. Right. Which again, writers, (laughs) they're they're just not. (laughs) I don't understand how they have their jobs. Because they just. Because I think the show would do well to maybe lean into Charlotte and Harry's dynamic a little bit more. Because yes, they're the most likable by far Mm -hmm. and i think it's because they're fun yeah and they they are written well to a certain degree but i think they almost feel like they exist in a different show outside of the rest of the characters yeah they do the writers seem to have fun writing for them yeah and i think maybe if the writers stepped away from like the self-seriousness of miranda and the woe is me of carrie i think if like they can match their intention when they're writing for Charlotte and Harry and use that level of intention towards the other characters. Right. The show would feel more complete as a whole. It would feel like we're watching the same show. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, and then, you know, like, uh, you know, I was going with the children being horrible. Leading back to Aiden. Yeah. I love how the way they get rid of Aiden at the end of the series is to be like, oh, look, even Aiden's, not all like, he's got three kids it sounds like maybe the older boys are fine because the older boys seem pretty chill with carrie at least we were told that and it's right. just his youngest who's having tr- trouble with it but it sounds like his youngest isn't necessarily anti-carrie it sounds like his youngest just like has issues right and you know because like it's mentioned that that um you know aiden's ex-wife has a boyfriend and like obviously this kid doesn't have a problem with his mom's boyfriend so i don't think this is so much a problem of like i think wyatt is the kid's name i don't think yeah, i think Wy- right. yeah i don't think wyatt is anti-carry i think wyatt like is just he's just a, a 
teenager who's going through some shit. Like, he's depressed. Right. He's not doing well. He needs help. And, like, that's, you know, like, I hate that they kind of played it off like, oh, he's, like, a problem. It's like, no, he's, like, a troubled kid who needs help. I think Aiden's response is absurd and clearly a plot device to get him off the show. Because you don't need to put your, by all, you know, like, all appearances, really, really great new relationship on hold for five years because your younger son, you know, got himself into some trouble, which leads you to realize that he needs more support. It's like, no, maybe what that means is I don't come up and visit as often as I have been. I spend more time at home with him. You know, my ex and I will get him into therapy and, you know, like, we'll we'll do that. Like, you know, so maybe I won't come up every weekend or maybe you won't. Right. <laughs> or maybe, Carrie, you won't come down every weekend, you know. But, like, it doesn't have to be like, okay, I'm now not going to be in a relationship until Wyatt is 18. That's absurd. That's not Wild. That's not a normal reaction. That's not good parenting. Yeah, not good for the child at all. Yeah. It's not good for him at all. It's just, it's it's going to mess him up more because at some point, it's, it's either going to do one of two things. It's going to make him think that he can do whatever the fuck he wants and his dad will roll over for him. Or at some point, Wyatt will get old enough and be like, oh shit, am I the reason that my dad wasn't able to be in a relationship with someone he really loved? Now I feel horrible. And I feel like yes. I was a burden and I feel like I was in the way of his happiness. Like it could go either either way. It's not going to make Wyatt a, a better person. Um, no. So it was just like it was super dumb. And I and like the way they left it, too, was like it seemed like Carrie was like, OK, I guess I'm going to be waiting for Aiden for five more years. And I was like, really? Uh, really? Um I uh, I do appreciate, though, that they did not walk her back um, on giving up the apartment. I do like the idea Definitely. that she kind of handed the keys over to Lizette, the downstairs neighbor, who is sort of like she sees like a younger version of herself in Lizette. And it's kind of like a handing of the torch, like, you know, OK, now you get this really cool rent controlled apartment um, right. as the as the young you know like the young 20 something curly haired artist you know that I used to be I like that they didn't walk that back because I feel like okay at least that's a little bit of growth on Carrie's part that she finally lets go of that apartment because as and committed to something exactly because as as ridiculous as it was for Aiden to refuse to ever step foot in that apartment I have always felt that it was odd that Carrie was so unwilling to ever consider fully giving up that apartment. I mean, she held on to it while she was married to Big. Strange. Yeah, for what, 10, 15, however long that marriage was. Um, yeah. She held on to it. She held on to it. Uh, she moved back in after Big died. She had attempted to move out briefly in season one and hated it and moved back in you know that felt very much like it felt like that apartment was and I think she kind of knew it too that you know like the apartment was sort of her you know like a crutch 
And, you know, like, does it make sense for a 55-year-old woman to be living in the same apartment that she lived in when she was in her 20s? You know, when she, you know, like, no, it doesn't, even if you've, like, renovated it and put up new wallpaper or whatever. Like, it's not, that's, that doesn't make sense, you know? Like, I, I, again, it was absurd for Aiden to be like, I'm never going in there again. But I didn't blame him for being like, wait, you still live here? Like, because, like, he's like, it's been, it's been 15 years and you still live here and you are, like, married to a whole other guy? Like, you know, like, for all that time until he died, but you still have this apartment and you still live here? Like, I don't, I didn't blame him for being like, what? Right. You know? Like, what happened to you? Yeah, like... (laughs) What's wrong with you? Yeah, I mean, like, super childish that he wouldn't go in there, but, like, you know, I would have had that reaction if I hadn't seen Carrie in, like, a decade and been like, wait a minute. Back here? Again? This is is still your address? (laughs) Like, you didn't ever... So I like that they... I mean, the apartment that she moved into is, like, entirely too large for her because she bought it, like, assuming that Aiden's kids would be over all the time. But right. I, I do like that they didn't walk that back. I like that they, Agreed. they have they have committed to Carrie being in a new neighborhood. Um, I heard like rum like online theories that like maybe Miranda will move in with Carrie because there's so much space and like her being roommates with Naya is like not really working out very well. But I also feel like that would be a regression for both yes. of them too. Big time. Um, Big time. I think Miranda has more than enough money ever to get her, to get own her damn own apartment. apartment. Yeah, that was the, that fight. And she she had. doesn't need a twin size bed that she buys from like an antique store. Exactly. Like exactly. What? Like what? Yeah. I'm like, okay. Yeah, you gave up your corporate salary, whatever you know. But like, you made a lot of money. Pretty sure you put away a lot of money in savings. Uh, you you had a retirement account there. Maybe you had a pension. I don't know. I mean, like you got money. And if you divorce Steve, it seems like Scout's doing really well. Yeah. Like, aren't you going to get some kind of? Yeah. Like it be, seems like you guys are going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah. There'll be some sort of equitable division of you know. I mean, like I do like in that fight that they had. Um, the fight, the Miranda and Steve fight. When he gets mad, part of what he gets mad, yeah, because you know, she, she starts throwing the money thing in his face, like, oh, you know, this apartment that's the mortgage is in my name, blah blah blah, and he's like, but I made this house, I yes. built this house, it was a shithole, and I made it a home. This is my house, so no, I will not be leaving my house. And he's and he's right, like, okay, yeah, maybe legally. I don't know why at this point they wouldn't have put him on the deed to the house because Scout Scout's doing well enough that he's going to open another restaurant. Yes. Which is like, restaurant business is hard, you know, but he's it's doing well enough that he thinks he can open up another restaurant. Um, they can put him on the deed to the house or they can, in the divorce settlement, work out like what is an equal amount of, you know, like he has equity in the house because he put in work and labor and expense to like make it a nice house that house i mean like i remember trying to figure out where in brooklyn that house is because like on the original sex and the city show when the two of them move in that house they were trying to make it look like oh it's all run down and gross because brooklyn is like a lame place to be and i'm just kind of like i'm pretty sure that that house in 2023 
in that neighborhood in Brooklyn, like that is easily a five million dollar house. Like if they're in like oh, yes. if they're in like Park Slope or Brooklyn Heights or whatever, I, you know, like I can't really tell based on Mm-mm. the geography, but like that's a brownstone. Like they're in brownstone Brooklyn. Like that's oh, a yes. nice house. So I, I think the whole as far as Sex in the City goes, for being a show that should have their finger on the pulse of New York City. That's like the biggest flub they ever had. Yeah, was making Brooklyn seem like some kind of antiquated, right, and like terrible like lesser, place to be. Yeah, exactly. And it's like uh, you know, everybody I know, all of my friends who live in the city don't live in Manhattan. They all live in, <laughs> yeah. in Brooklyn. I have one friend who lives in. He lives in like he lives in like Inwood, like the very tippy top mm. of Manhattan, which is almost like. Which barely feels like the city because it's like mostly right. like surrounded by parks and it's almost, you know, it's almost Westchester. Um, right. Everybody else I know like lives in Brooklyn or Queens because now Queens is becoming trendy too, you know. Yes. And like it, it's just it's so weird their fixation on like, yeah, like, like, yeah, like why did Che move into Hudson Yards? Why wouldn't Che have moved somewhere in Brooklyn? Like, you know, like an up, like, like Che could have moved to Williamsburg. That would have made sense, you know, like. That would be... It makes me feel like the writers definitely are not New Yorkers. No, but that's... Like, a... they're just Googling. But that's what weird What does New because... York City look like? But that's so weird because Sarah Jessica Parker is notoriously, like, a yes. huge, like... I don't think she's a native. I think she moved to New York very young. But, like, she never relocated to Hollywood. Like, she has conducted her entire adult and professional life as a resident of New York. Sarah Jessica Parker 100% knows what the reality of New York is. Even if she and Matthew Broderick choose not to live in Brooklyn, she 100% knows that Brooklyn is not, like, you know, a horrible, like, slum, you know? So, yeah, it's very, very strange. That's, again, like, that article I read where it's, like, you have to take the show as a sequel to the movies, which were which was, like, you know, all about, like, opulence and everybody's, like, suddenly yes. super wealthy or whatever. Like, you know. No a, struggle at all. Just exactly, all interpersonal they can afford, I mean, problems. Like, yeah. That apartment that, that, that Carrie is moving into now is in Gramercy Park. That's a really – I mean, like – Gramercy Park, number one, really nice neighborhood. Number two, extremely nice. It's like it's like Gramercy Park. You can't get into the park unless you have a key to the park. She's in an apartment that gives her a key to the park. I mean, like she's again. I mean, like I know Big left her a lot of money, or Big had a lot of money, or I don't know whatever. Yeah. I mean, like her books do well apparently, but um somehow somehow yeah it's it's again these these are perplexing details but i'm glad that they have forced carrie out of that upper east side apartment that was sort of like a crutch for all this time um and the show yeah and the show character and the show and the show um i did want to briefly touch upon ltw and her husband because i think they also seem to have a really um 
like very supportive and healthy marriage. We only see glimpses of it because she's they, they they're they're not really a part of the show. And then again, plot lines that get introduced and then abandoned. There's like this that whole plot line in the MILF list. Oh that and that was <laughs> I, that was ridiculous. Although I thought that was funny too because like LTW and Charlotte together, hilarious. Like they are yes. like they are good duo. They are a good duo for sure. Yes. Um and I, I really like, again, like I, it, it seems like she and Herbert just like care about each other, respect each other, respect that each other is really good at the work that they do. You know, um, he, for the most part, for the most he, part yeah, he's he a struggled little, a little bit with her yeah. at the beginning when he started to take on some more things and he expected her to right, make because, room for him. Right, because he's but, running for political office. But then in the end, he did show up and come to her events. Yes. And, you know, like he does, you know, like and obviously like he knows his mother is difficult and she knows her dad is difficult and they have each other's backs in those situations, you know, like when their parents are like sniping at them or at each other yeah. or, you know. Um, there's that whole thing where, like, Herbert's mom sees him get angry at the cab driver, uh, legitimately angry at the cab driver, because what the cab driver did was not okay. It is not okay to refuse to take a passenger, uh, clearly for racially motivated reasons. Um, but then, like, that, that whole thing where... His mom was like, you can't be seen in public behaving like that as a black man. And then, like, LTW kind of agrees with her, which I thought was a little gross. I did, you too. Know? And then, like, you know, like, she's like, you know, we have to, you know, I mean, like, it was very much. I, I got the feeling that she was trying to, like, emulate the Michelle Obama, like, when they go low, we go high thing. Which yes. Is, which is fair. But again, they introduced that in that one episode and then it never comes back. Yeah, it never comes back, yep. and that's like, and that's an interesting plot avenue to explore. Should one want to, and they just left it alone, and then they had this weird like pregnancy thing, where number one, I was like, wait, I thought these women were all I, I assumed LTW was the same age as Charlotte, um, which meant that she was past the point where pregnancy was a, a thing that could happen for her you, you would think so um yeah so maybe she's a little maybe they're a little younger i don't know um maybe but um i also want just to put it out there ltw and herbert's kids are the only kids who are not horrible um yeah except for the the boy who's seeing the, the girl who's like stealing or not stealing her stuff but you know yeah but 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 that feels more like he has a he has bad taste in girlfriends <laughs> than like you know he's trying to ruin his parents lives you know where it's like you know like like lily and rock and brady are like actively destructive presences in their children in their parents lives and like ltw's kids if anything they like they're i feel i worry that they're gonna burn out because they're such overachievers um and like time. yeah you know but like they're not terrible you know like they've got they've you know like they've got a good system going at home they're they're functional ltw doesn't have to like force them to do anything she just reminds them did you brush your teeth did you you know like but you know she doesn't she doesn't really 
coddle them the way that Charlotte no. coddles her children and the way that Miranda coddles Brady. Um, no, she certainly doesn't coddle them. I don't think we see them enough to really get a fair judgment on how terrible they might be. Yeah. But I do think it's funny that, yeah, none of these kids know how to feed themselves. But LTW's youngest is fairly young. Yeah. Still, yeah. So... But sure, maybe that child needs a little bit more help than just getting a bowl of cereal for dinner. Right, right. Yeah. But it's also like, this, so this pregnancy plot line was just like came in out of nowhere and then they they seemed to be really, and it's, it, again, this is a struggle because in the original Sex and the City ser- series, there was like a whole episode, maybe it dovetailed with Miranda getting accidentally pregnant i don't know where like they were all talking about abortion and like samantha was very open with the i think she had like a couple of abortions and carrie had had an abortion and it was like they were being very open and talking about it and again in that in that way that like sex in the city was very groundbreaking at the time for talking about these issues openly these like women's issues openly and the way they handled the ltw pregnancy storyline was like the polar opposite of that like it looked like they were maybe gonna go down that road where they were gonna like like she and herbert were talking about like is this really the best time for us to have like a newborn um is this really like a like you know and it seemed like maybe they were gonna like go down the road of like okay this is sad but like at this stage in our lives, given what's going on, like an abortion would make sense. And then like convenient miscarriage, which is just like, like convenient miscarriage is like the ultimate in TV cop outs for, you know, anytime they want to touch an abortion story, but not really get into it, but not really get into it. Um, and so it was just like, I was just like, so that was disappointing. I don't know. I just thought that was disappointing because again, it was another interesting, plot thread for those two characters that could have gone somewhere interesting and went absolutely nowhere just kind of got dropped um yeah i thought it provided the opportunity to have some sweet and tender moments between those two actors yeah but again like with a lot of other storylines that we're discussing in this season it's kind of a bummer that we don't know if they're going to pay off because we don't know if they're going to be revisited in season three right because if they are then great and that's good but we shouldn't have to wait for an entire new season to know how we feel about this season right and this season feels very unfinished because so many plot points were just kind of as you said picked up and then dropped yeah and i've never been a big fan of television that has not very much happen in the bulk of a episode Mm -hmm. and then the end of the episode gives you like 10 minutes of really good stuff that will pick up again in the next episode i think that's such lazy writing it is it absolutely is an episode needs to feel like an episode complete and whole and i feel the same way about a season and the season does not feel complete and whole by any means and and then that that so like when there's the last supper at at carrie's apartment yeah with the shoehorned in cameo with kim cattrall who apparently refused she she like did all that like remotely Refused to even show up on set. Like, they apparently recorded that, like, her entire... I was reading about this. Like, she didn't want to be a part of... She was like, okay, fine. You're going to pay me this much to do it. 
Uh, I'm going to be costumed by Pat Field, who is the original costumer for the show, who is not the costumer for it, and just like that. Uh-huh. And apparently, like, they filmed it in a completely other different location, and somebody else was off screen reading Carrie's lines to her. Like, you know, I, I love that Kim Cattrall was like, okay, you really want me to do this? These are my terms. And yeah. that's it. <laughs> um, anyway, because because we that's it that's all we have to say about that it happened we had we had to talk about it because it happened and now we can walk away from that because it was also completely like a stupid throwaway scene anyway Um, it truly truly was like if i could have looked back at sex in the city and thought oh one day samantha will be talking to an apartment through a cell phone yeah come on all right yeah that that was stupid it was extremely (laughs) stupid um but then, yeah, that so the Last Supper, when Carrie has them all go around, like, it felt like they were trying to do this thing where, like, we're finishing the season, and this is supposed to be, like, a big moment of closure and moving forward and stuff like that for all these characters when she does the exercise of, like, you know, say one word of, like, what you're going to get rid of next year or whatever. And it it didn't it didn't land for me properly because half of the characters who were present for that dinner hadn't really been like constant fixtures in the show throughout the course of the season as it was so the words that they picked like it wasn't as poignant as it could be um for for some of those characters like naya you know like you know i I don't even remember what word she used because it was like because she had barely applied like i like that i like that they brought it full circle at the end where she she meets the chef who was kind of hitting on her in the first episode um and i was like oh well he was you know he was he was hot and he seemed to be really into her so like cool maybe the, if they do a season three maybe we'll get some hopefully we'll get some interesting stuff going on with her and the chef should they choose hopefully. to pursue a relationship but yeah it's like she barely like she you know like she her her plot this season was she got divorced she discovered tinder she made a souffle <laughs> and then like you know she is supposed to come up with like a summative word to like you know and i'm like okay that 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 wasn't pointing at all because i, I still don't no. know who naya is and then yeah, like nor does she really seem like she needs to improve upon herself in the same way that carrie or right miranda yeah right you know and then like they they and they go around the table and like like jackie and and his wife smoke was, smoke smoke that's her name <laughs> They're there and they have words and it's just like I'm like, but we haven't seen you since episode one. So okay. Yeah, who cares? Who cares? <laughs> and then um you know, we get to LTW and she can't even like she's still like so messed up over the miscarriage, she can't even like come up with a word. And I'm like, Well, there's a cop out, you know, like and then you know, it was just—it just seemed so. It was just so frustrating because it was like they were so clearly trying to like put a pin in the season in this very writerly way. Like, let's have everybody reflect on what what has happened over the course of these thirteen episodes. But it's like half of these characters weren't developed enough for that to be meaningful in any significant way, and so it was just—it was just sort of stupid and really more of an avenue to give carrie an opportunity to monologue about something i do think it was funny that she told everybody they could only have one word and then she gave a whole speech and shay was like that was not one word 
I right. I like when they use Che to like say and do like tactless things that we're all thinking. Like sure. Like that was sure. not one word or like <laughs> hanging out with Carrie and Aiden and being like, so why didn't this work the first time? Like that's kind of a rude and tactless question to ask, but it's also someone's got to someone's got to ask it. And I like that Shay is the one who's going to be like, "Yeah, I'll, I'll ask the rude question. I don't care. I'm Shay." Yeah, <laughs> you know? like I say what's on my mind. Um, yeah, as as much as I love LTW and Seema and Naya, I do think if you're going to have this very important moment in this apartment that we've all known since season one, mm-hmm. and you're going to like make this big deal out of it. I don't need it to be Carrie winning a Michelin star dinner to host a dinner party with all of these side characters and somewhat becoming main characters. But I just don't care. Just have a night where Carrie and Miranda and Charlotte get Chinese takeout or something. Yeah, like 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 they're eating and the apartment's empty. And they're like, yeah, like reliving like what it was like when she first moved in there. Yes. They like were eating takeout on the floor because she didn't have a table. Yes, I don't need it to be this grand thing. I need it to just feel special. Yeah. And I didn't feel like the Michelin star dinner felt special in any way. It just felt dumb. It was, yeah, no, it was super dumb. It was super, super dumb. And it was also like, I also think it was like the SEMA, again, the SEMA plot line where she's just like abruptly in a somewhat serious relationship with it. And and like that guy seems like he could be good for her. In some Maybe. ways, you know, he's like, fairly charmless. But... He's charmless, but he's, you know, in terms of like the kind of guy who would be good for somebody like Seema, like, you know, like, because the first couple of episodes we see she's with that guy Zed, who ba- yeah. basically is freeloading off of her and has a messy personal life. And she's just like, nope, nope, not doing this, not doing Can't this. Can't take care of this guy. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's like, okay, she in some ways she's found a bit of an equal in this new guy whose name escapes me. The character's yes. name escapes me. But you the know director. Like, the director. But yeah, because he's like he's a high powered guy. He, you know, he's he's a big shot. He's got money. He travels a lot. He's got an important job. He um, you know, like cares about his work. And, you know, he uh seems to respect Seema for her work ethic and for her, you know, skills and also like thinks she's a an interesting person, so he yeah. says, and like thinks she's beautiful and like wants like I believe him when he says he wants something real with her, but like, you know, the nature of his like him like the fact that Carrie and Seema end up on a beach in Greece at the end and they're both like, oh, our men have left us. And it's like, okay, this is not an equivalency. Like Seema's boyfriend left because he's on a shoot because that's his job. <laughs> yes. Aiden, and he's coming back in six months when the shoot is over. And he probably, if he's serious about Seema, will probably find ways to take a weekend off here and there and come and visit. Aiden has literally said that he's going to vanish for five years. Because he cannot even think of her. Yeah. Or else he'll get distracted distracted. from being a dad. Exactly. For being a dad for his his son, who has issues that have way more to do with probably a lot of other things beyond, like, maybe his dad is distracted by a relationship. You know? And so it's like, I was like, that is not an equivalent situation whatsoever for the two of them to be like, oh, our men have left us. I'm like, Seema, your guy hasn't left you. 
he's on a job. He's gonna he if if we if we assume that he is a man of his word, which he seems to be, he will return. You know, like he'll be back. But it also like the, and you can go visit him. Yeah, exactly. You can <laughs> you can definitely go visit him. And like obviously, like her colleague at the real estate firm, like clearly, you know, seems to know her well enough that like he threw her like he threw this client at her so like she's got like a guy at work like a buddy at work who's looking out for her who obviously was like i see this happening she's not going to do it on her own because she's sema so i'm going to force this to happen because i see it happen you know it's like yeah it's like it's like she's got people in her corner aside from carrie who are like we want we think this relationship could work uh, and I like that too. We get the it's a, the briefest of scenes where we see Seema in her office, and we see that like she's super important at work, and she has like buddies at work. Like she's she's got a really good friend at work who's like here, hot guy, you know. I'm helping I'm you helping out. I'm helping you out here, <laughs> right? Um, you know, just the the fact that the relationship got so super serious over the course of like two episodes was bizarre. Um, you know, I, it felt like they were trying to, you know, like echoing back to Seema being uncomfortable around Carrie and Aiden because she feels lonely. It kind of felt like it was picking up on a thread there of like, okay, well, Seema, what happens to you now when you get what you think you were looking for? Like, how do you handle it? Like, I think that's what they were trying to do that, like, you know, there's a part of her that self-sabotages because she says she wants something she kind of maybe even knows she wants something but when that opportunity presents itself she like panics and ruins it and ruins it so i was like well that's interesting that again makes her like um you know a real human being and not just like a a concept character um but it just they did it so fast you know, I feel like if they'd let that relationship between her and the director evolve over, you know, maybe take four episodes instead of two, and then I would have bought it a little bit more, you know, but... Yeah, it, if the intention was to make Seema seem manic, they succeeded. Yeah, yeah. If, if that was the idea, because if they would have had four episodes to seed it, then yes, I think we would all be saying, Seema, get it together, he clearly cares about you. yeah. But the fact that I guess it was so quick did help it, us kind of side with Seema maybe thinking like, is this actually for real? I said I love you to him. He hasn't said yeah, it back. Yeah. I'm freaking out. But again, it's like very similar to Naya acting like a teenager. It's just like all of these women are regressing yeah. to teenager status yeah. with all of these men. Yeah. 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 No, it's very, it's very, very weird. Um yeah, I agree with you. It felt like a very incomplete season. I also wanted to know what you thought of, because I thought that this plot line was strange. It, when Miranda decides, yes, I'm a lesbian, because you, you apparently can just decide that. Um, <laughs> like, without... This is me. This is me. Yeah. Um, and then she, like, gets a date with that audiobook author... Who uh-huh. um, the actress Miriam Shore? I like her a lot. She's like a she. I've seen her in a ton of things. She actually had a pretty significant role in the last season of The Americans, Harry and Charlotte's favorite show. Um, oh, that's funny. Yeah, she's a she's. I like her a lot. 
Um, and I like the way she was kind of presented. I was just kind of like, oh, I, I buy that this is the type of woman that Miranda would be drawn to because Miranda kind of has this, we know that she's kind of always had this sort of, you know, intellectual bent. And like, yes. I, I 100% believe that when Miranda was training for the New York City Marathon, instead of listening to music, she was listening to this woman read Pride and Prejudice. Like, 100% that's Miranda. Like, I get it. Easy to buy. Easy yes. to buy. Easy to see how, you know, when meeting this woman in person and realizing that she also is gay, being like, oh, hey, this is awesome. <laughs> like, yeah, this is very cool. into this. <laughs> um, and then, like, to have the, I, you know, I thought it was so disappointing because what I was hoping for was okay if they were gonna have Miranda Miranda and Shay's relationship blew up Miranda has decided that she's exclusively into women based entirely on this interaction with the audiobook author at the at the reading or whatever uh-huh I was hoping that it was going to be an avenue from Miranda to maybe maybe this wouldn't turn into like a full relationship but like for Miranda to have a nice date with a woman so that she could experience what it was like going on a nice date with a woman right and kind of compare it to what it ha- what what went down with her and Che and then have that solidify even further like wow that situation with Che was fucked was messed up was yeah. messed up this is what dating as a lesbian could be like you know even if she doesn't end up in a relationship with the audiobook lady just like to have a nice night with a woman and experience like this is what dating is like as an out middle-aged gay woman in new york and instead they had to make the audiobook lady be like a total like hot mess at home like no self-awareness no self-awareness disgust like what was the deal with the cat litter i mean like come on man like i have a cat i used to live in an apartment it's not it's that difficult. It's not that difficult. It's really not that difficult. You don't, you do, I mean, like, no. it's, it's just. You don't I, plan to go on a date and start a load of laundry. Like, it's yeah, just. It's just and, none and of like, it was plausible. None of it was plausible. Like, you know, it was just so weird. And so, like, it was like, oh, like, you're gross. And then, like, it was supposed to be this moment where, like, you know, when Miranda calls Carrie and goes, oh, my God, this is a disaster. And I'm stuck here. And she's, like, deal, doing her laundry. And Carrie's like, you can leave. And it's like Miranda's takeaway from that moment was, oh, yeah, I'm now old enough to realize that I don't have to stick around on a bad date. I can leave. And like that was the empowering thing she took from the situation. And I was like, well, that like. Cool. Okay, she realizes (sighs) that she doesn't have to stay in a bad date, like she doesn't have to put up with a bad date if it's going badly. But I also just thought it was disappointing that was like her first dating experience as an out woman. And like, it couldn't have just been like, hey, this is what a normal date is like when I'm out as gay as opposed to like the situationship that she was in with Jay, which just was like moved way too fast and was like a shit show i was like i was really hoping that that's how they were going to play that off and not have it be like oh look miranda's on a date with a horrible person just like how she used to date go on dates with horrible guys back in the day and now she's learned that she doesn't have to put up with it even if it's a woman 
you know. Yeah, which like, didn't really seem like a huge takeaway. No. it's That's not like a huge revelation on anyone's part. No, no. Yeah. It was just kind it's, of like... It's another thing that makes me think that the writers, they have an episode and they think, all right, well, we got to include these characters. Mm-hmm. And so they have like a little checklist. Like, well, have we written a couple of scenes for Charlotte and Harry? Check. Mm-hmm. Have we written a couple of scenes for so-and-so? Check. And I feel like they feel like they have to make this balance of like, well, someone has to have a serious part in this episode. Someone has to have a funny, lighthearted, haha, yeah. people are terrible part. Yeah. And I just feel like their rubric, their structure for how they write these episodes doesn't feel organic in a way that actually no, makes sense to the characters. It, doesn't. it feels like they and just... And it just gets to the point that, yeah, Miranda goes on this terrible, terrible date. And I'm like, this woman is not a real woman. She is a cartoon character. Yeah. That they are merely using for really no specific reason other than to have Miranda go on a bad date. It felt which like... Yeah, it felt... It's so ridiculously bad yeah. that it feels it, completely inauthentic. It felt like they were trying to be like, look... You know, like there are like even like like if 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 a if a if a through line of the original Sex and the City seri- um, series was there are lots of gross, awful garbage men out there. It felt like they were trying to be like, and there are gross, women awful too. garbage. Yeah, women too. <laughs> Lesbians can also be horrible, and you can go on bad dates with them. And I'm like, that's not a really interesting takeaway, and no. it's like super disappointing and. Um, and I, I feel like they, they seem to be implying that the, like, who was it that, at the end when Miranda has to go as a representative of Human Rights Watch Mm -hmm. to the UN to do like a, a taping, um, which I actually quite liked. I was like, okay, this is bringing the idea of like Miranda as a competent professional, like rediscovering that part of herself full circle um i feel like we were supposed to get some vibes that the woman at the un was gay and was like maybe into miranda was super impressed by her and like they you know like they go out after the interview and like that's you know the closing montage of all the characters or whatever yes but like again like we met that woman for one scene and I'm not even remotely invested, like, you know, even the idea of like, ooh, potential romantic interest. I'm like, we, we met her for one scene and she seems chill and she works for the UN. So presumably she does not live in squalor with her cat, uh, you know, <laughs> like, but it's like, yeah, it's like I, I, it, I, I wasn't like excited by that i wasn't like oh hey cool good for miranda like it was just so lightly hinted at that it was almost like blink blink and you'll miss it like maybe that you know like that this could be a romantic interest for miranda and also i think it would be super disappointing if that's what it turned into because like that should be a scene about miranda like coming into her own as the type of attorney that she wants to be for the rest of her career and you know doing this kind of work and you know like not have it be like oh maybe she got a chance to prove herself in this very public way because like the woman at the un has a crush on her sure you know like that feels sort of not 
like a real validation of Miranda as a human, <laughs> you know. Um, no, as a and maybe that's the the biggest difference between Sex and the City and just like that. Sex and the City was more about yeah, learning more about yourself mm-hmm. amidst all of these little one night stands, little things that didn't have to lead to relationships. Actually, a lot of the women kind of recoiled. Yeah. From the thought of actually starting a relationship with any of these men that yeah. they were seeing. Yeah. And and just like that is all about end goal relationships. Right. Right. And all of the women are kind of like right. looking for a boyfriend instead right. of just having fun. Yeah. Like I, I being in the city. I liked that bit in episode one when Carrie had been hooking up with Franklin, the podcast man. Yeah. For a while. And I liked that she was very I mean, she was uncomfortable about it, but I liked that she was able to, like, that felt like character growth when she finally was able to tell him, like, look, I like you and we've, I've enjoyed this. I've had fun with you. I get the feeling that you want more and I'm not ready for that yet. And he took it very well. And like, it ended on a good note. And I was like, oh, hey, adult, Carrie's an adult. She had an adult, hard adult conversation with somebody and it went well, like, yay. And I also liked that it was, you know, like that until Aiden showed up, like, she didn't really seem to be, like, boyfriend Took them with finding yeah. a guy. Yeah. yeah, like, she had that kind of weird, like, hookup with the... That bike guy. The bike guy, the tech bike guy who, like, you know, was way too, like, emotionally entwined with his business partner. Um... But even that seemed very clear to me. Like, she wasn't going into that thinking that was going to be, like, a forever relationship. She was just kind of, like, dipping her toe into the water of, like, what would it be like to date someone again? And then, like, he proves himself almost immediately to not be the right guy for her, even for a short, even for, like, a short fling. But, like, good for... Even for for a good time. yeah, Yeah, but, like, but also, like, good for Carrie for, like, realizing that okay this is too much work even for a fling like this is right you know like i don't this is just too much this is too awkward like you know i i i give her point you know again like we have these moments where it's just like oh look she's growing she's learning and then aiden comes back into her life and she just regresses entirely and then she right. has this brief moment of maybe big was a mistake and then she just leaves that behind and it's just like I don't, I don't know. It's like, I, I, I feel like I want Carrie to grow, you know, like we've spent a long time with her over the years and, you know, she's, she's the hero of the story and it's frustrating. And yet I keep watching. It's frustrating. You and me both, yep. sister. You and me both. <laughs> it's frustrating to see somebody who is now in her mid-50s and is still as like capricious and childish as she was when we first met her in 1997 or whenever it was that the show started. Yeah. Um, you know, and then like she could have gone through like she that she was married and then was widowed and is still fundamentally like self-centered, self-obsessed and, you know, just not really, you know, like 
these these tiny moments of growth that seem that they could have like huge potential for her to be you know like a, a, a mature character and then just have that all get tossed out the window because like Aiden comes back into her life and then you know like they're in like a full-blown re- like that was I didn't you know like when Seema was like I'm having trouble with this like part of what she was having trouble with also honestly was like wow this happened fast like right, you guys yeah like you guys got super serious super fast like you guys just like started being in a really really serious relationship super fast and you know like you know and like and of course charlotte is like yay love because that's that's charlotte (laughs) you know but like like even you know even i i think even miranda you know was like hey cool if that makes you happy and like i feel like these brief moments with Seema are like Seema is like the voice of reason in these moments and then like they get brushed away and then she's not really given much of an opportunity to be a character in her own terms and I'm just like oh yes I know it it's it's really a shame and it is um it is I don't yeah yeah for season three because I do think they're doing a season three I think so again I'll watch it um I don't really have any faith in these writers really at all I don't know. Um, I think that's the main issue is the show running and the writing. Um, outside of that, it's getting more and more difficult to really mine these episodes, but maybe you and I will be back to talk mm-hmm. about season three, maybe. Because um, we'll certainly be be watching. Yeah. If they but if they're able to because that's that was the thing that was so disappointing was that like i saw episode one i texted you i said they're course correcting oh my god they're course correcting seems like it might be good seems like it might be good and then yeah and then they immediately went back to doing the things that were problematic that they did in season one if they can write the ship in season three somehow if they can write the ship um for sure you and i definitely would have something to talk about but if they just continue doing what they're doing i mean it'll be a year from now and we'll be having the exact same conversation and like <laughs> we'll have other things to we'll talk have about. other things to talk about you know and like <laughs> there will be other shows yes exactly and it's like uh, and again like i'm not saying that like we shouldn't have done this podcast today absolutely Definitely not. not it was because, nice like, to talk about it it was nice to talk about it because i think i do think that this was a better season than season one Agreed. Um, and I think that they were trying. And I think that they heard some of the criticism of season one and took it in mind when they were doing, you know, when they were writing season two. And they succeeded in some areas in improving the situation. And they completely missed the mark in other areas. Um yes. And so, like you, I don't really have a whole lot of faith in these writers at all. Um, but again, it's like the, the I think the thing that the the thing that makes me return and keep watching is it's just like I I keep thinking, you know, like there's these there are these little glimmers, there are these little things that they drop in that make me think that they're gonna do something huge and really like do something interesting and I want to see that out. And then like, you know, with this season, I ended up disappointed in that regard. Yeah, You know, this season, like honestly, this season, the thing that I came away from most was I love Charlotte and Harry. I love their relationship. Yeah. 
I love yeah, their, they're doing good. I love their relationship and they're great. But like you said, it feels like they're on a completely different show. Yes. Than everybody else. So they're kind of doing their own thing and they're having, they're, they're having a lot of fun and you know, like they're, they're, you know, like they love each other and that's great, but <laughs> it's also just like, you know, everybody else, everybody else is a mess and definitely. Yeah. 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 Well, listeners, it, we might be back for a season three discussion. Um, I think, and just like that is really riding on the coattails of sex in the city. And I think any other type of legacy reboot wouldn't be given the chance to have such bad growing pains for two seasons. I think Absolutely. they're very lucky to be afforded these growing pains. They are. Yep. And yeah, hopefully they can take advantage of the good faith that HBO has kind of put into it to give them the chance to maybe fix it. Yeah. Berea, <laughs> thanks so much for joining me. Yeah, for this no, conversation. Thanks, thanks, thanks for having me. I'm glad we got a chance to talk about it because we've, we've, yeah. we've sort of been, you know, intermittently talking about it. Um, yeah. And we do have the crown to look forward to. We have the crown to look forward to. <laughs> Actually, very good very, television. Very good television. And very soon, I think this week. Yeah, first, coming out. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't like that Netflix is doing it in two chunks. I don't like I it. I think it seems kind of silly and cowardly. But I, I don't, yeah. We'll find out why, I guess. Yeah, because I remember they like, like AMC did this with Mad Men's final season. They did it with Breaking Bad's final season. And they did it with break, uh, Better Breaking Call Saul. Better Call Saul's. <laughs> <laughs> they did it with Better Call Saul's final season as well. Yeah. And they did that. Partly to keep people interested and partly because it also allowed them to have another year's worth of um, award show cycle. Exactly. Exactly. Um, And so, like, I get it. Uh, Netflix's entire business and streaming model has no relationship to the way a network, a television network's. Sure. They can't. Netflix can't be like, oh, you know this is actually two seasons you know if they really wanted to right. do it they would have dropped the first half this year and then made us wait a whole year for the second half which is what those other three shows did um right it's like netflix is giving us like a, a three-week timeout and i and i don't really i don't know why I I hope it's an actual structural reason for the show, which mm. would be mm-hmm. very grateful. Perhaps Diana dies in the last episode before the break, and then right. you get a break, you get and a then break, you come and then back, you come back, and little epilogue type situation. Yeah, like I was trying we'll to, see. in my head, I'm like maybe Diana dies, and then we don't get into the whole thing there because Peter Morgan already made a whole movie about the mm-hmm. family's you know, the Queen's reaction. Mm-hmm. In the aftermath of Diana's death, maybe there's a break and then we jump ahead several years and now William is in college. Because I again right. like I, I they've 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 cast a couple of Williams and a couple of Harry's and they've cast a Kate Middleton. So Right. We know it's coming. We're no we know it's coming. They're gonna jump at least far enough ahead that William's in college and, and meets Kate. So right. um you know, so maybe that's why they put in the break. Maybe it allows them to more organically put in, you know, like a, a an, an organic, like, multi-year break 
the way that which they, would make a little more sense yeah. yeah because they do that they they did a little bit they've been doing a little bit of that in all of the seasons prior um but sometimes it's Sometimes it's a little jarring to realize yes. that. Like sometimes you'll be you'll watch an episode of The Crown, and the next episode will start. You'll realize, oh, two years have passed, and right now Heath is the prime minister. When when did that happen? Or you know, like with season four, you get to the last episode, and you're like, oh, we're at the end of Thatcher's term. Right. Um, they do kind of speed up kind of quickly. Yeah, every exactly. Once in a while. Like, wow, yeah. we just, you know, th- th- episode one was the beginning of the. So, okay, 10 years have gone by in the course of this season. So maybe, maybe this will allow them to cover more than 10 years at a time if they put in that break. I don't know. We're spitballing. Right. Listeners, yeah, we don't we'll know. We'll find out. We'll find out <laughs> very soon. <laughs> But yes, listeners, thank you so much for hanging out with us while we really hashed through (laughs) a somewhat dated season of television now that it's been a couple months, Mm -hmm. but we're happy you were able to join us regardless. Um, If you've liked this episode, uh, feel free to like, comment, and subscribe to this podcast wherever you've been listening to this podcast. Any of those types of activity really helps boost our podcast visibility, which is really helpful to us. And of course, you can go to storyscreenpresents.com and you can find all of our podcasts and all of our articles and reviews up on the site as well. And if you'd like to engage with us, just find us on any of our socials. We're on Instagram. We are on what I still call Twitter. We're on that too. (laughs) And we're on Facebook as well. And that's a great way to connect with us, uh, see all of the content that we've been putting out. But also, if you are local to the Hudson Valley area, you can come out to any of the fun local events that we plan. But Rhea, thank you again. Yeah. And listeners, I hope you guys are doing well out there. And hopefully we'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.